Welcome to episode two, season three of Creepy Cases and the Spooky Spaces. I am your host, Cassie Opea. Um, so actually, if you're a subscriber to the Anchor page or the Patreon page, this is actually episode three, um, as there is a bonus episode waiting for you right now. And if you're not a subscriber, I totally recommend it, uh, personally, of course, uh, because you actually get access to bonus episodes, uh, bonus content, early access to the weekly episodes, and um, a little bit of thank you swag. So definitely look into that. You can subscribe directly through the Anchor podcast page, or you can check out the Patreon that does have different tiers as to um, different uh, perks. Um, Also, before we get started, I wanted to touch base on last week's episode um, titled, I believe it's Kathleen Peterson, and is it accident or homicide? And I wanted to touch base on it because it's one of those cases that kind of gave more questions than answers. And um, if you want to research a little bit more into it, there's a couple of docu-series and TV shows that did um, specials on it. So if you go on Netflix, there's a 2004 docu-series entitled The Staircase, and it's by Jean-Xavier de la Strade. And it actually follows Michael Peterson from the time that he is being questioned the next day all the way through the trial and even through the appeals process. Um, HBO Max actually has an eight-part miniseries that is going on right now. I think they're about to actually air their final episode. Um, it's, it's good. It's fictionalized and it's a little dramatized, but it, what I like about it is it goes through all of the theories, whether it has been accident, whether it been murder, and then there's also the owl theory that we talked about last episode. And I'm not gonna lie, um, hearing more about this owl theory that, like, actually, um, I'm kind- I can definitely see it being plausible. Um, there's also a forensics file, forensic files episode called A Novel Idea, and it's from season 11. And then there's a Dateline episodes. There's actually two. One is called Reversal of Fortune, and the other one is called Back Down the Staircase. And so the reason I kind of wanted to touch on that is because this week's episode is a creepy case that also remains unsolved today. And... I went down the deepest rabbit hole with this one, and I spent hours um, just researching and looking up all the different theories, all of the different information, and it's one of those where the more I researched, the more questions I had. I didn't, there's just not a lot of answers, so um I just, yeah, it's just one of those where it's so hard to explain how deep you get into these cases when you're researching them. Um, But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. This creepy case is actually over 100 years old. It took place in 1922 where six people were found murdered on a farmstead 
in Hinterkaifeck, Bavaria. And there were no, well, no one was ever charged because out of the over 100 suspects that were interviewed, all of them had either alibis or they weren't able to connect them to the murders. So let's get started on the creepy case of the Hinter Kafek Massacre. of Friday, March 31st, 1922, five members of the Gruber family and their maid were murdered by an unknown assailant in Hinterkaifeck, a small Bavarian farmstead located approximately 70 miles north of Munich. The Hinterkaifeck farmstead was a rather lonesome place. Located on the outskirts of the town, Grobern, which is about an hour drive from Munich and a half mile behind, or Hinter, the town of Kaifek. The family, which consisted of 35-year-old widow Victoria Gabriel, her young children, 7-year-old Kazilia, and 2-year-old Joseph. Victoria's parents, 63-year-old Andreas and 72-year-old Kazilia, mostly kept to themselves. Now, the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, had just started that day, and she was actually escorted to the farm by her sister, who stayed for a little while and then headed home. Now, even though the family was more homebodied, Neighbors became concerned when they hadn't been seen. When young Kazilia missed school for several days and the entire family missed church where Victoria was a member and their mail piled up at the post office uncollected. And now on April 1st, coffee sellers Hans Shivoski and Edward arrived at the farm to take an order. And now, when no one responded to the knocks, they kind of walked around the yard, but they didn't see anybody. On April 4th, Albert Hoffner showed up to repair the engine on the food chopper, and he stated that he also didn't see anyone in the family, but he just heard the normal sounds of the farm. He went about the repair, which took around four hours, and he left. Now, on April 4th, though, that same day, the neighbor, Lorenz Schlittenbauer, um, he decided to investigate. And he actually sent, I believe they said it was his son, over to the farm. And the son came back and said that there was nobody there. Um, he couldn't find anybody, and so Lawrence actually led a search party over to the farm to investigate himself. Now, what they discovered will most likely haunt them for the rest of their lives. In the barn, 
The search party found four brutally beaten bodies covered with hay. And now, inside the home, they discovered the bodies of young two-year-old Joseph and the maid Maria, murdered on the first day of her brand new job. And she had taken this job because the previous maid had actually abandoned her position due to the belief that the house was haunted. Now, the injuries were brutal. Smashed skulls, strangulation, shattered jaws, and gaping wounds, all caused by a pickaxe. The young Kazilia was found with clumps of hair in her hands, and they had realized that she actually survived for several hours after the rest of her family had died, which just breaks my heart. Could you imagine being seven years old? You've been attacked. Your whole family has been attacked. Your family dies, and you're and you're basically you're stuck in this barn with them, and you can't even go get help because you are so brutally injured that you're just basically just stuck there. Now it seems on the evening of March 31st, a perpetrator or perpetrators lured the family one by one out to the barn, attacked them and killed them. The elder Kazilia had signs of strangulation and seven blows to the head leaving her with a cracked skull. Andreas's face was caked with blood, and his cheekbones were actually protruding from underneath the shredded flesh. Victoria's skull was also smashed, and she had nine star-shaped wounds on the right side, and she was hit with a blunt object. The younger Cazilia's lower jaw had been shattered, and her face and neck were covered in gaping circular wounds. Now, after this, the murder or murderers moved to the house where they murdered Joseph with one blow to the face while sleeping in his bassinet, and Maria had crosswise blows to the head and she was found in her bedroom and the bodies were all covered in sheets which as we've heard in past cases that this actually kind of shows that there is a guilt or a remorse that comes along with with the murder or the crime um, so it also there it's also believed that the murderer lived in the house for three days and they took care of the animals and there was chimney smoke coming out of the chimney there was um, food and there was just signs of life on the farm for a couple of days after now, as I stated before, the family's maid actually quit her position six months before the murders, and she stated that she was afraid that the house was haunted. She claimed to hearing footsteps and voices in the attic, and she constantly had the feeling of being watched. Now, only a few days before the murders, Andreas had actually told neighbors 
that odd happenings were going on. And like, he was, he was finding things like he found a newspaper in the home that no one had purchased and none of the neighbors sub had like subscribed to it. So it wasn't delivered just, you know, to the wrong address on accident. And he, there were keys to the tool shed that went missing. And this is the tool shed where the murder weapon was actually housed. Um, and they also, on the evening, they found, well, the evening before, Andreas found two sets of footprints in the snow leading to the home, but none, there were no footsteps leading away from the home. And while he told neighbors of the incidents, he never told the police, and he actually declined to borrow the neighbor's gun. So police tried to investigate the scene, but considering how many people had already walked through and contaminated the crime scene, it was quite difficult from the start. Bodies were moved around, as well as items in the house and items in the barn, and of course there's going to be fingerprints and footprints and just all kinds of things that well, you just don't know up from down, left from right with with those items. Now, the day after the bodies were discovered, the autopsies were performed in the barn. And shortly after that, the skulls of the victims were removed and sent to a clairvoyant in Munich to possibly find unearthly clues. And this was unsuccessful. And the skulls were actually lost during World War II. And now let me, um, as someone who grew up um, with certain quote-unquote magical powers. Um, I believe fully in psychics. I believe in clairvoyancy. However, um, it's not always the most reliable, and it doesn't work in the way that a lot of people think it does. Um, and I, I feel like when I heard that the skulls were actually lost, I feel that just makes me feel horrible because these these people, the family has already gone through so much and now their heads have been lost. Now, the weapon was nowhere to be found until a year later when they demolished the home and they actually found it in the attic. And that makes me wonder, like, did they even search the attic? How well of a search did they do? Because if they demolished the home and they found the murder weapon right there in the attic, like, why did we not find this the, like, the, the year before when they were doing the actual original investigation? Now, the police first suspected the motive to be robbery. And they interrogated traveling salesmen, vagrants, and several, 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 why is that not coming out? Several residents from nearby villages. But this theory was quickly abandoned when a large sum of money was found in the home and nothing as far as belongings was taken. So a lot of valuables were still in the home and it didn't seem like anything was missing. Now, they believed that the murderers lived in the home, 
hidden for at least six months prior to killing the family. And now that terrifies me. I have heard of so many crimes or not even like anything that has led to murders, but people have... I've heard so many stories about people having cubby spaces in their houses where they find people living. People have been living in people's basements. People have been living in people's attics. And they go undetected until, like, people start realizing little things here and there. And that terrifies me. I, I <laughs> like, that's one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. Like, it's, I mean... Um, I was listening to a story about, from a girl one time who said that she found a dude just living in like the cubby in her closet and I think I actually like checked my closet every day when I would get home after reading that and I don't even have a cubby space in my closet. Um, anyway, uh, with no real clear motive, the police actually put together a list of suspects. And as I stated in the intro, there were over 100 people on this list and multiple arrests were made, people were questioned, and yet no one has ever been charged with the murders. Now the case file was officially closed in 1955, but the last interrogations actually took place in 1966. And although the case remains like it's been closed and it remains closed and remains unsolved there are a lot of theories surrounding the case now a woman named Crescentia Meyer told her priest on her deathbed that her brothers Adolf and Anton Gump actually committed the murders and detective inspector general George Reinguber made Adolf a potential suspect in 1922, and he was suspected of killing nine peasants with three other men, and he was never arrested for the murders, and by the time his sister named him, and this was 30 years later, mind you, he had already passed away. Now, prosecutors detained Anton based on the evidence given by his sister, but he was released shortly after there was a lack in actual evidence, and it was discovered that Crescentia was prone to making up stories. And although I know that it says that there was a lack of evidence, but it seemed that there was a lack of evidence from the get-go. Um, now, another theory was that someone close to the family was the murderer. In 1915, there were disturbing rumors of an incestuous relationship between Andreas and his daughter Victoria, and they were actually both convicted of this crime. And Victoria served a month of jail time while her father was actually sent away for a year. And many believe that Andreas killed the family before turning the axe on himself, which I don't think I really need to elaborate on how ridiculous that theory is, because I don't see why he would murder the whole family, including the maid, and then how he would even do the damage that he did to himself. Because if we remember, his cheekbones were actually sticking out from flesh from his flesh. Now, a third theory is Victoria was a widow whose husband died in World War I, or so they say. 
there are quite a few who believe that Carl wasn't actually dead. And there were rumors that he also wasn't the father of Casilia, and that he was enraged when he heard that Victoria had a child with another man. Now, it's believed he murdered the family in a fit of jealous rage. Now, it's far-fetched, but not entirely impossible. Um, I couldn't find any confirmation on if um, there were confirmed... I mean, I'm pretty sure that the military confirmed his death and everything like that, but it's also just kind of odd that he... It's, it's kind of odd that there are some people who feel he actually survived. Now, people also talked about Lawrence Schlittenbauer being the murderer. And he and Victoria were in a relationship, and some believe that he was Joseph's father. He referred to him publicly as his son, and so did Victoria. And the two had actually planned to marry... But Andrea stepped in and the relationship ended. And I'm not sure of the details, um, but I believe this was around the time that the incest rumors were going on, but I could be wrong. And as I said, this is where the more questions kind of come over the answers. Now, Lawrence eventually married someone else, and they welcomed a baby, but it actually died a few weeks later. Shh! Do you smell that? The fairies must be whipping up something amazing over at the Wiccan Fae Candle Nook. The custom layered candles are a must for all candle lovers. With your choice of three scents, you can create your very own garden soiree or Sunday yummy Sunday. With names like Bitch Slap Blue, Chill the Fuck Out, and even the new Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces scent line, you are bound to find something for everyone. So right now, when you mention the code CREEPYSPOOKY, you'll get 10% off your first order. So head on over to pizzaandpigtails.com and click the shop link up in the left-hand corner and get your very own Wiccan Fae candles today. caused police to actually focus on Laurence, claiming that he was traumatized by the death of his baby and not wanting to pay child support for Joseph, he had come to the farm and now it was only located a few hundred yards away from his own and murdered the entire family. And they used the fact that those with him during the initial investigation claimed that he was behaving in a suspicious manner and that he was very nonchalant and upon seeing or handling the bodies he wasn't disgusted or repulsed and he also knew his way around the farm. Now I just would like to point out and this kind of bothers me when I read or hear stories about the way people act when they're 
when they find out that somebody has died or they find, you know, the body or anything like that. First of all, it could be written off to shock. Like, he may have been in shock. He may have just kind of been going through the motions. He may have been trying to hold it together for other people. And I just, the way that people grieve or the way that people show their emotions shouldn't be an indicator of anything because um, not everyone is open with their emotions. And now, not being disgusted or repulsed by a dead body, I know that a lot of people are, but there are a lot of people who are not disgusted or repulsed by dead bodies. And he knew his way around the farm because he had a relationship with Victoria, and I'm pretty sure he was at the farm quite a bit. Um, but also being friends with them and knowing him, that the family and the neighbor, I'm sure he was at the farm a lot. So police questioned him quite extensively, and they actually couldn't fully place him at the crime scene. So, so he was never charged. Now, a lot hold to that the murderer had to be someone who didn't live on the farm, um, but someone who knew their way around it well, someone who knew how to wield the pickaxe. And due to the brutal manner of the murderers, they say it had to be someone who had a personal vendetta against one of or all of the groovers. But what who could it be what could it be um it's it's a pretty i mean it does look like a very personal a very personal um attack because it does look like something that would be due to um rage or a or a, a crime of passion now the attic actually had tiles removed in a way that the family could be watched and tracked. So I'm definitely thinking that somebody lived in the home and was keeping an eye on their routine. Um, some witnesses reported a mystery man hanging around the farm and one individual who passed the farm the day after the murderers claimed to have seen him wandering around with a lantern, but he couldn't see, he couldn't see his face. Now, another stated that they drove by the farm and they saw two men who turned away as if, as they were trying as if they were trying not to be seen. Now, a stranger claimed to be the murderer, but he ran off, disappearing before anyone could catch him. And I just I don't understand people who do that. Um, Peter Weber talked about murdering Andreas due to his incestuous relationship with Victoria. And now, I'm not sure he'd actually murder the entire family for this, especially the children, a two-year-old and a seven-year-old, and the maid actually had nothing to do with it. So, I don't know why he would murder so many just innocent people. Now, in 2007, the case was actually reopened and police narrowed the suspect to one who most likely committed the murders. But they haven't made the information public, and they say that it's out of respect for the surviving family members, which makes me wonder if it happened to actually be a family member, or clearly it's somebody who knows 
the family well, or, um, I mean, there's obviously a reason that they don't want to announce who it is. Now, a memorial was actually built in 1923 for the family, and it still stands today to commemorate them, and it stands actually at um, the site of where the farm used to be. And the Hinterkaifeck murders are definitely, like, this is one of the most baffling cases that, I mean, like, just in the true crime world. Because each question leads to another, and, like, not many of them are followed with answers. And, I mean, who would murder an entire family, including two young children? Even if you're mad at Andreas, or if you're mad at Victoria, or you're mad at Cazilia, why would you murder the two innocent children? How was one person able to murder all six of them in, like, how, how did they get all of them out to the barn? Did they bring them out to the barn and then murder them? Did they murder them and then drag them out to the barn? It's like, and then it's just... I understand that you have two elderly people who may not be able to fight back and defend themselves that well. Um, and then you have, you know, a mother and it's and two children, obviously they're not they're not the two-year-old definitely isn't gonna put up much of a fight. But it's just baffling. Um, how long were they living in the attic before they decided to murder the family? Or were they living in the attic and then they were found and that's why they murdered the entire family? Was it planned out and they were to plan to murder the entire family and then they moved into the attic to execute the plan? Just, and who is so twisted to live with the bodies after? And I've heard of this in a couple of cases where the person murders an entire family and then they live in the home with the bodies and that yeah. who was joseph's father um could that be connected could it have been laurence who was the murderer and his father and could andreas have been the father and just the incestuous relationship um why were they all living together after the incest conviction is also another i mean i know that they're family and you know family families should stick together however you've already gone to prison for for that and wouldn't this just bring up more rumors maybe not um how did victoria's mother handle the incest convictions um I, cause I mean, I'm sorry, but I know I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Like if my, if I thought, or if my husband was in an incestuous relationship with our daughter, I don't think I would be as forgiving. And I know it's a completely different time, but yeah. What happened to their skulls? How did their skulls just up and go missing? And I know that it happened during the war. So, I mean, I know a lot of artifacts and a lot of items were lost during the war and everything like that, but where did they go? Because these poor people were buried without their heads. 
Now, why did they destroy? Why did they destroy the buildings so fast? They basically tore the farm and the barn and the house down the next, like it was either that following year or the next year. And could it have held more evidence? Was there something that somebody was trying to hide? Was this done and an actual like cover up was formed? Um, I, there's just so many questions. But sadly, I don't think we will ever find out who the murderer was, or I don't think we will ever solve this case. Um, and so with that, I leave you with Until Next Crime. Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces with Cassiopeia is a Pizza and Pigtails production. All episodes researched, written, and edited by yours truly. You can find new episodes every Friday with bonus episodes coming out every other Tuesday on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to follow along on Instagram and Facebook at creepycases.spookyspaces for all podcast news and updates. Don't forget to subscribe through the anchor.fm or the Patreon page for exclusive access to bonus content, early episode access, and thank you swag. And if you have a creepy case or a spooky space that you would like to hear featured on a future episode, send me an email at creepycases.spookyspaces at gmail.com.